ladies and gentlemen, Everybody, it's Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and Brett, there's postseason afoot for Arizona softball. We're going to talk to Kim Doss of AZ Desert Swarm about that later. Arizona football lost a player to the transporter, one of our favorite players, so that's kind of a bummer. But it also may say good things about the program. And of course, <laughs> Pac-12 is changing their entire uh, bowl game or the Rose Bowl dynamic for winning the division, winning the conference. So, where do you want to start, Brett? What do you think? Let's start with the the football news. The football news. Okay, Majon Wright. Well, it's, it's this isn't a rerun. Majon Wright is back in the transfer portal. Of course, remember he was going to transfer last season after Jed Fish was hired, then decided to come back, had to sit out a year because he did enroll at the new school. He's back in the portal, and I saw that news, and my first thought was, damn it, because this is a guy who's got size, he's got speed, looks like he could be a real player. But then you think about it, like, well, Jed Fish has been saying all these good things about Majon Wright, how excited they are to have him back. Why does he need to transfer unless, oh, that receiver room must be deep? Yeah, I, I, I think your point is well taken, and it's something we already kind of knew. Um, I, I also am kind of sad to see Mason Wright leave because I still think he's a guy that would contribute this year considerably. Um, and I, man, I don't know what the rules are with he already sat out a year and with like the COVID things, is he burning eligibility by transferring again, potentially? I suppose there's still a possibility he could come back to Arizona out of the well, If he goes down a level, maybe, then he can play right away. I don't know. It's, you know. You know what's best for the kid. Like, I have no problem. Yeah, I don't, I don't wish him any ill will. Uh, I, I, I am a selfish Arizona fan. I would like all of the talent on the roster, please. Um, and if, if that means he is our sixth best wide receiver, great <laughs> well and that, that's really good that, and that's what it says like a couple of years ago when Major Wright kind of emerged Arizona didn't have much at wide receiver and then last season if he was able to play last season he probably would have been a key guy you know especially with Joyner having to play some quarterback yeah Dorian Singer who emerged and you just look at what they brought in Jacob Cowing you got T-Mac you got Jones freshman you got Kevin Green who comes in you got Anthony Simpson <laughs> like you have Jamari Joyner still <laughs> like we talked about it. like it's a loaded receiver when Mayshon Wright was a part of that but if after all camp and spring ball and everything he sees himself as a number six receiver well it makes sense to maybe try to go somewhere you're going to get on the field more you know because well, these are young guys ahead of him too other than Joyner these are young guys freshmen sophomores now where <laughs> Yeah, I, I believe in Majon Wright's potential, and I think he could go somewhere and be a star. But was it going to happen at Arizona? The path wasn't clear. Well, and I'll, you could even go a little, a little wider into the offensive roster there, Adam, and be like, you know, you have guys like Speedy Luke that can, are going to probably play out of the slot. Mm-hmm. Some Keon Burnett, Absolutely. tight end. They're going to exactly, use a tight end exactly. more. Their you running know, backs are going to get more play. Like they're not going to throw the ball forty times a game. Hopefully. Yeah, the, the skill player rooms on offense for the Arizona Wildcats are night and day from what they were in the last couple of years right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mejon Wright went from being probably clearly the most talented guy to he'll get, you know, 20 snaps a game. Another talented <laughs> guy from the most to just another talented guy. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that I think it also tells you and confirms what we maybe thought we were getting in in Jacob Cowing and and some of these other guys. And you know, Dorian Singer looked pretty solid along with Anthony Simpson as true freshman mm-hmm. last year. Um, you know, Dorian Singer I think is still kind of under the radar a bit, despite he being a guy that had, at the end of last season. Yeah, and he's and I mean, people forget he had a a Texas offer before the coaching change and that's how we got him as a walk-on though now he's earned a scholarship mm-hmm. uh so you know i i i'm gonna still keep my fingers crossed that hopefully Mason right decides to uh <laughs> you know bounce back out of that transfer portal i think he's it's, is that his permanent mailing address right now is uh is, is the transfer that's, portal and i don't want to make fun of the kid i like the kid and i want what's best so if he thinks he needs a transfer he needs a transfer i but i will say i'm not sure i would take him back now if he decided to, because like it's one thing when he was going to transfer, he didn't know the new coaching staff, but he decided to come back. He went through, and if he decided, okay, I I don't want to be here, then at some point you have to say, okay, the best thing is for you to not be here, you know. And I and part of this is because last season they needed all the warm bodies, talented players. Like I'm like, yes, bring him back. But a year later, it's like, well, they got a lot of good young receivers, and you want to keep them happy. They're obviously recruiting more, so. You know, you want guys who really want to be in Tucson. And Mejon Wright, I don't necessarily think he hates Tucson. I think he probably, you know. But just at some point, you just got to say it's time to move on. And I think the second time you went to the portal, that's probably a sign it's time to move on. <laughs> second time he went into the portal from Arizona, you mean? Or, <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't he go in once, come out, then go in again to go to Middle Tennessee State, then came back? Uh, and... it, it gets confusing, but that's kind of the point, right? Like most players, when they go to the portal, sometimes they decide to come back. That happens, you know. Yep. But when you go to the portal, then you leave, then you come back, then you go to the portal again. I think that's a sign where it's time for you to move on. And I, I wish him the best of luck wherever he goes. I hope he, maybe it's a smaller school and he just breaks out as a star because the measurables are there. He's got the size, he's got the hands, he's got the speed. If he plays well anywhere, he's going to find his way on the Sundays. Like, at least get a look by NFL teams because he has the measurables. He has the look of an NFL wide receiver. Yeah, and I'll actually be curious to see where he lands because this seems to coincide, and maybe I'm misinterpreting what the the NCAA rule change was with the scholarship limits uh, for the next two years. Uh, You know, there there was the the 25-man, I think they got expanded to 28-man class caps. Uh, that got, I, I believe, waived for the next two years, which sometimes guys that go into the portal end up, uh, you know, it's a little, there's there's no chairs to sit in in the, in the, in the game, uh, <laughs> you know, when the, when the music stops. So maybe there that, is, that has opened up some opportunities for him. Surely no college would ever tamper with a player before he has entered the portal. Um, <laughs> no, that would but, never happen. But, you know, I, I, I certainly don't wish him any ill will. I still would love for him to come back personally just because I would I think talent should, wins out but if he moves on I wish him nothing but the best yeah for sure so we'll see what happens with Mejon right back in the portal again but Arizona's receiver room like a year ago when he was in the portal, was like oh no what do they have this year it's just like okay well there's other really good receivers to kind of take that spot if they need them. <laughs> by the way for a second when you said he's back in the portal again I thought you were gonna do a little mini bit of a uh, Bill Murray on Groundhog Day. It's like, well, it's Groundhog Day again. I, yeah, that would have been that would have been great. I did not think of that. But I was more, giving you credit. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I don't deserve it. <laughs> uh, other football news: The Pac-12 announced it's not going to be for this season, but the football championship game format no longer North versus South, which means the Pac-12 I mean, probably Arizona never has a chance to make the Rose Bowl ever. 
I don't necessarily. No, no, agree I'm with kidding. That. That it's, but it, it, it's one of those, I feel like it'll change. This, it should change the scheduling, right? You shouldn't have to play all the South teams. They should be able to mix it up a little bit more when it comes to the scheduling. But I think it's the best thing. You want the best two teams in the Pac-12 playing in that championship game, right? And I remember, I think it was, I saw someone tweeted it out where if it was like this since the Pac-12 started or since the Pac-12 championship game started, like Arizona 2014 doesn't make it. It would have been two North teams. And most of the season would have been two North teams, which just speaks volumes to just how bad the South has been for the majority of the Pac-12. But I think it's a good move for the Pac-12. I think it's a good move for the conference. Well, it's, it's going to help with the, it, the, the, the BCS rankings at the end when at least, you know, the way they look at strength of schedule and the teams you're beating, you know, beating up on, uh, you know, a lowly Pac-12 South team isn't going to help the dominant North team or vice versa, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, burying the, you know, the history in the the history of the Pac-12 lore, the Pac-12 South. Now, I just would like to remind everyone that uh, self-proclaimed football powerhouse Arizona State University will have won the Pac-12 South precisely as many times as the University of Arizona. And the University of Colorado in Boulder, that that juggernaut. Yeah, so, that's, that'll be that's a, true. It's a it's a fun little stat because <laughs> that was when that was the COVID year when Colorado was the worst undefeated team in college football for Jeez, a while. Arizona should have beat them too. Ugh, but God. A... <laughs> <laughs> All right, as we stretch our first segment for some football, other <laughs> things that we have, I think we could finish off, of course. You know, I'm sure you saw that Arizona football, they're replacing the turf, so that's underway. They tweeted out a video of that. It's like, cool, they're replacing the turf. But I guess it was old. <laughs> like, I'm not one of those people who says they need to play on grass. I like grass, but I also understand that economically and just sustainability-wise, grass may not be the best option in the desert. So, you know, but do you take anything to it? Because the stats, Arizona on the road against natural on natural grass fields has been terrible since they switched to turf. Do you, do you put anything into that? Or <laughs> I, th- I think it has more to do with the talent on the field. <laughs> I'd um, agree with that. And 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 when it's on natural grass, when Arizona's been playing on turf, I think it has to more to do with road games. But you know, I'm 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 like you. I'm not necessarily a strong proponent of natural grass versus the turf. I do wonder if uh, guys like Speedy Luke will actually benefit from an upgraded turf, uh, where that guy is, you know true track sprinter speed and you know having a clear footing will you know help maximize his potential on the field but yeah. suppose supposedly the the new turf I've, I've heard saying that there's it's upgraded in technology in fake grass technology so we shall see i'm curious to see if they have the shadow lettering that looked really cool i feel like when it first came out and then in the last couple of years, much like the product on that field, looked a little rough. <laughs> well, one thing they could do, too, is now they've kind of gone back to the Desert Swarmish in terms of the look, maybe the lettering on the field or the end zones will have more of a, you know, that type of feel. And I feel that would that, be nice. I would appreciate that. Just kind of lean into it. But yeah, just the, the overall numbers, according to AZ Desert Swarm, Arizona went 30 and 24 on the turf, but also 4 and 21 on grass fields. <laughs> But to, to your point, but all, I mean, yeah, this is more a bad team playing on the road because we understand Arizona. Yeah, they play in Arizona Stadium, but they tend to practice not in Arizona Stadium. And they have, I think, grass on their practice fields, natural grass. So, yeah, you know, I, it's one of those things where it's like it's a stat only because it exists. But is it causation or coincidence? Right. Like, I was going to say it's a good example of the difference between correlation and yeah, causation. Adam. Yeah, something like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yes. They lose on grass fields, but it's not because their home field is turf. They, it's just thing that is, yeah, it's, it happens. Like they've lost a lot in a lot of places, even on turf too. 
So that's, it's hard <laughs> to blame the field for that. <laughs> I mean, it's just winning the offseason one more way, Adam. There we <laughs> go. the turf. Well, Brett, let's take a break. and we come back, Arizona softball starts their postseason, the first one of the Caitlin Lowe era. And we're going to talk to Kim Doss from AZ Desert Swarm to get the lowdown on the Wildcats' chances. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we are glad to be joined by Kim Doss, who covers Arizona softball for AZ Desert Swarm. Kim, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Of course, Like we're looking at Arizona softball back in the postseason, 35th straight year. It wasn't exactly smooth sailing in Caitlin Lowe's first campaign <laughs> as the coach, but Arizona got to the dance, which is, I guess, at the end of the day, all you could ask for. Is that fair? I think so. Um you know, I think Caitlin had a lot of things to overcome this year um, with losing so much after last year. So I really think she did a very solid job getting this group back into the postseason and not losing that streak. Yeah, there's expectations that come with it. When you follow a legend like Mike Candrea, you know, there is pressure in year one and yeah, it wasn't the best season. It's not like the U of A softball season we're used to seeing where they're in the 40-plus wins, 50 wins, you know, and a favorite going into the tournament, but they're there. What kind of chance do you give them in terms of as they start off getting set to face Illinois in their first games? I actually think the committee was very kind to them with this regional. Um, we've got four teams, all with at least 18 losses. Uh all three of the major conference ones have 20 losses. And Illinois is, they've got solid pitching, um, but nothing Arizona hasn't seen. And Arizona's seen better pitchers as far as the stats go. Um, they're not a big home run hitting team, which Arizona's pitching has given up a lot of home runs this year. They only have one player with even 10 home runs. Okay. That's their top home run hitter. Um, they do a lot of doubles, a lot of stolen bases, and that may be the biggest pressure on Arizona is to clean up that defense with those um, the speed on the on the base paths. Kim, uh, like Adam mentioned, it's been a it's been a turbulent season in Caitlin Lowe's first year. You know, and, and it's so it's been, it's had its ups and its downs, but here we are facing Illinois. You know, as Arizona finished the season strong enough to get into the postseason, what have you been seeing in the in in the recent weeks that you think might carry over into the postseason and help Arizona be successful? The biggest thing is currently scooping, getting her back going. Um, she had dropped to a 167 batting average in conference play, and uh, her five for nine weekend this past weekend was a very, very good sign. They need her. Um, so that's everyone getting going at the same time is what they really, really need. <laughs> yeah. 
One thing I think, too, I think back to last year when Arizona was in this position, and there were those rumors, the whispers that it was Mike Candrea's last season, and there's maybe an added pressure to the team, knowing that, because they had to know that their right. coach is probably stepping out. This was his last run. This is different. It's Caitlin Lowe's first time there. Do you feel like maybe there's a sense of, like, there's always pressure, but maybe not the same kind of pressure, and maybe the Cats finally got over that, okay, it's not Mike Candrea's team anymore, it's Caitlin Lowe's team. Now we can be us, this new version of the Wildcats. You know, I'm not sure about that because there, there is a lot of pressure to get her off on, on the right foot, yeah. so to speak. Um, because I mean, you had your different camps among the fan base. You know, maybe some weren't entirely supportive of Caitlin getting the job. So I think, in that sense, there's some pressure for them to step up and, and make her looked like she was the right choice, which I believe she was. So, Kim, you know, you had a great uh, preview of the Illinois uh, matchup in the postseason here on AZ Desert Swarm. And the thing that jumped out to me, and I'd love for you to kind of talk a little bit about, is, you know, what what Arizona's going to face in the in the pitchers on the on Illinois' team. They have a couple of pitchers that have a considerably better ERA than the best on Arizona. Uh, do, you, do you foresee uh, the pitching staff for Illinois giving Arizona's hitters fits? You know, I thought um, Lana Vodder from Stanford would give them fits, and they did relatively well against her. So I honestly never know what to expect <laughs> when they go in against these pitchers who are kind of, like, really solid but not the best pitchers in the game. I think they do have a chance as long as um, – Scooping stays hot, which she was, and we get what we usually expect from Skaggs and and Palacios and Pacho. Um, so I honestly don't think this is a bad uh, group of pitchers for them to be facing. And how, is, how have you seen this team grow over the course of the season? Because we know they didn't get off to the start that everyone wanted them to get off to, but they did finish. I don't want to say super strong, but they finished better. They looked more like an Arizona Wildcats softball team. Where has been the biggest growth that you've seen from start to finish that maybe help propel, will help propel them as they go forward into the postseason? I think it's specific individuals who have taken a big step forward that maybe weren't expected. And I think two of those, the most important are Pacho and Skaggs. Um. I don't think as a group I that I saw them be different than I expected, but I didn't expect 22 home runs out of Skaggs. I didn't expect Pacho to be, I mean, Candrea always, she was a little used pinch hitter, you know? Yeah. And she has been the most, um, the, the most impressive to me as far as what I expected and what she is. So for me, it's that it's seeing these individuals take steps forward that maybe weren't expected. Speaking of individuals stepping forward that maybe wouldn't be expected, you know, there's always going to be an X factor in a postseason, right? Uh, who on Arizona's roster do you think is the is the most likely uh, to be that X factor that kind of how they go, so goes the team, or maybe helps Arizona get a little farther into the into the postseason than expected? I think scooping. Um, Precisely because she did have that long period where her her offense wasn't where it should have been or where it was expected to be. 
and she is one of their biggest threats offensively when she's on. So if Scoopin is on, then they have a very, very good chance. Yeah, that that would be good, right? Because you always need someone to step up in the postseason because Arizona's not the favorite. They're not the team that everyone's picking to make it. I mean, you go up the I-10 a little bit, and there's a team that feels like they kind of got hosed in their seating. But once you get to this position, it's anyone's game, right? You don't have to be the favorite to make a run into the World Series. If you had to handicap how far you think this Arizona team gets, where would you put them? I think I expect that this regional will be a Missouri versus Arizona regional. Um, one of those teams will take it. Whoever takes it will then go to Florida State and lose. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but that would still that would, would that make for a successful season though? When you look at this, because I think and I can I can speak for Brett too. The season no one knew what to expect, right? We knew there was talent on the roster, but when you lose a legendary coach, everything is just thrown into not chaos, but everything's going to be different. You just don't know. And as Caitlin looked, tried to put her imprint on this team, make it her team players that maybe some that she helped recruit some, maybe she wasn't as big a part of, but make them part of her team and her vision. Like, would that make the success or do they even need to win and get through this regional to consider this season year one of the Caitlin Lowe era success in your mind? For me, um, just getting to the postseason was, was success. Yeah. Um, especially once we got into the season and, um, I mean, there were, there were real questions for me of whether they should have been in. I knew they probably would be, you know, there at the end, but it was whether they should be, (laughs) you know? Um, so to me, getting there will make it successful for her. And also I think there were some breaks with the past, um, where she made decisions that maybe Candrea wouldn't have. And I think Pacho is a sign of that, you know, um, because I, I, in the past, that would have been Peanut Martinez over there under Candrea, I believe. And so those kind of decisions gave me confidence that this was going to be her team and not just her trying to be Mike Candrea, you know, trying to implement what he did. Yeah. It's hard to follow a legend like that, especially when you played for him, you know, because you don't want to disrespect him. You understand that, hey, he's that guy. He's that dude. But it needs to be your team. You can't be living and coaching in that shadow. So she's done a solid job, though, I take it. You feel like she started to probably get more comfortable and make this her team now as we head into the postseason. I think she did. I think there are some things that maybe she's not comfortable doing and maybe will never be doing. Like when you see them the hype woman is Lauren Lappin. It's, it's not, it's not Caitlin, (laughs) you know, and those things, maybe she doesn't have to be those. That's why you have an assistant coach. That's why you have a staff, you know? Um, so I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been a fun season so far, obviously, hopefully it's just the beginning of a great era for Caitlin Lowe because it is the next iteration of Arizona softball. First game, Illinois. In a regional that's winnable is what it sounds like. Kim Doss, thank you for joining us on Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we hope to catch up with you again down the road, hopefully with a long postseason run for the Wildcats here. I'll be back anytime you want to have me. All right, thanks. That's Kim Doss, and we come back. More Arizona sports. And we're back. Thanks again to Kim Doss of AZ Desert Swarm. That's great information on Arizona softball because, Brett, it's almost like 
we expect the Wildcats to be in the postseason. <laughs> like that's that's just the standard. Thirty-five years in a row now, but this one's a little different. Well, no, it, it's a lot different, but that doesn't mean the Wildcats don't have a chance this year. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to get to the postseason to see how far you can go. And stranger things have happened. And it, it, Arizona's Pac-12 record maybe makes people think that they're not as decent of a team as they are, uh, just because what are they eight and sixteen? I think in the pack, but. They're still a solid team and capable of beating anybody on any given day. Yeah, the Pac-12 is uh, really good at softball, by the way. Again, yeah. like as per usual. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, hot take, Pac-12 <laughs> softball is, is good. Next thing you're going to say is Pac-12 women's basketball is also good. I um, mean, yes, that's true. I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, can't confirm. Yeah, so, you know, if, if nothing else, it's I think I think Kim was spot on when she said that Caitlin Lowe's first season is already a success just by extending that postseason streak. And now you're just kind of playing with house money. Right. Um, and hopefully, you know, they can put up a good showing. And I think that'll give them maybe some momentum going into the off season, even if they don't make it all the way, mm-hmm. uh, give them momentum when they, you know, go out and hit the recruiting trail once the season's over. Absolutely. So good luck to the softball team. Obviously want to see them go as far as they can because we like when Arizona softball goes deep in the turn. We're used to that. So, you know, not the expectation, but certainly, you know, wouldn't be a surprise if it happens. What might be a surprise, Brett, if it happens, is if Dalen Terry stays in the NBA draft, right? We knew like when Ben Matherin, he's gone. Christian Coloco, he's gone. Dalen Terry was, after the draft, he said, just going to take, you know, maintain his eligibility and it's like I've seen mock drafts with him that kind of have him ahead of Coloco, which I can sort of see. I don't think I've seen anything with Terry in the first round yet. But he always had that look of a guy who, if he gets some workouts and measures well, and you, knew, you know he'll measure well, that maybe he does sneak in. And I know he was quote saying if he just needs a team to fall in love with him and give him a first-round pick, then he's gone. But short of that, he's going to go back to Tommy and have a great season with Arizona. So... I mean, that's the absolute right attitude, and I imagine it's probably a pretty positive one if you want to see Dalen Terry back at Arizona next season. Yeah, I think Dalen Terry is taking a very reasonable, appropriate approach, right? Um, I do think he has, of of the, the guys that have declared for the draft, he has probably the most to gain by coming back. Because uh, I think with a good season, a little more physical development, a little more you know, development of his jump shot, which improved last year, but it's mm-hmm. still not necessarily, you know, NBA level, right? Uh, or, you know, it, a harder thing to to uh, use a first-round pick on because then you're really just going for potential. And those the late first-round picks are a weird purgatory for some for, for NBA teams. You'd almost rather be a second-round pick, too, because just, yeah. like, the contract's different. You could get your big deal, big payday a little bit sooner. That's what Gilbert Arenas did and a couple mm-hmm. other guys. Um, Carlos Boozer back in the day. Yeah, you know, like the the late first round picks uh, in the modern basketball are more like the contenders just trying to find a role player, not necessarily trying to get a lottery ticket, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Dalen Terry is is somewhere between those two, um, but with another year of development, he can you know raise his floor and raise his ceiling in the draft. And it sounds like uh, we know where the if it, it doesn't take a genius to read the tea leaves there. I think he's probably coming back. Um, which I think is is probably going to be the right decision for him. But if you know if somebody makes a guarantee, go go get paid, son. Yeah, that's basically it, right? Like he's probably coming back. But if he doesn't come back, then best of luck to him because he's earned the chance to play at the next level. You know, all it takes is that one team saying, "Yeah, we we want you. We'll develop you." And then you then you have to go. Like if you're a first round pick for him. But yeah, like you said, but I agree. Where if he comes back, he's the starting two guard, maybe the starting three, and not he gets more shots a game. 
right? He gets more a bigger role in the offense. Also, he goes from maybe a late first, second round pick to where if he averages like 14 points a game and shoots 38% from three throughout the season, now he's a late first round pick, you know, a mid first round pick. And if he scores 17, 18 a game and shoots 40% from three, now you're a lottery pick. So he does have a lot to gain just by coming back in this offense, in this system, because you know there's going to be talent around him too. You know, Arizona, speaking of that, they're in the final three for a Washington State transfer, F.A. Abagadit. 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 F.A. F.A. <laughs> <laughs> I should have paid, paid did, attention when Arizona played them to get the pronunciation. I didn't think did it would matter. Hey, Adam, are you having a stroke right now? Do you smell <laughs> eggs? <laughs> uh, 6'10 big. Good shot blocker. Obviously, for Arizona, losing Coloco, that's kind of a... You have Umar Balo, but do you look at him and say he could be your starting center, or is he still better coming off the bench? I wouldn't mind seeing Arizona get one more defensive-minded big because they had a really good team last season. I wouldn't mind them trying to run it back in a similar manner. Yeah, and, and he's a guy, F.A., as his friends call him. As I have to call him, anyway. Um, no, I think he's a guy that would be a valuable player on the team and fill a little bit of a gap there, especially, you know, you could go... Uh, I don't know if you could say it's going small because he's not a small guy, but compared to... Umar Balo thick with two C's. Mm. Um, you know, he's a relatively smaller center that can go, go maybe higher pace and a little more athletic. Um, but it's it's certainly a positive development to see Arizona make the cut for him. Yeah, what I like, too, is when Tommy Lee was hired, you kind of wondered how would Biggs fare in his system? You know, at least Biggs who weren't, I don't know, Drew Timmy. You know, even like an Azulis Tubelas type big. Like, would just like a tall shot-blocking rebounder fit in this offense and Coloco proved that, yes. And seeing another guy who's a similar style player, you know, not an offensive machine, just someone who's going to block shots, going to rebound, going to play some defense, going to score around the basket, sure. Seriously consider Arizona shows that what Tommy Lloyd did kind of resonates, where he showed that, yeah, you, can, you don't have to be someone who's going to score 20 points. You don't have to be a finesse big. You can be a shot blocker, low post type of player and play in this system and play well and excel. Although I did see uh, Coloco's three-point shooting at the draft combine, did you see that he made like 70% of his threes or something like that? It's like, what? <laughs> did they get that right? That doesn't actually surprise me. When he no, take that it shot, doesn't. I actually wanted him to shoot more in, in college, but that would be, you know, <laughs> that would be one of those things where it's maybe not the best thing in the flow of the system, even though it have maybe benefited him for scouts, but now he's... He Watch him be a stretch scouts. five at the next level. He's just raining threes and blocking shots. Like you know, you know, I think the Suns might need one of those here pretty soon. They, they might be in need of a new center, yes. I feel like they might be getting rid of one of them shortly, which we could talk about that maybe. But we don't. <laughs> uh, more just really quick, Arizona is also getting official, official visit of Kwame Evans Jr., five-star for one of the best players in the class. Um, we don't I like how matter-of-factly you said that, Adam. <laughs> no, I mean, I... But like, we're used to seeing that type of stuff. Number three player in 2023 class. Obviously, it doesn't mean they're going to get him because a highly sought-after player. But I know when Tommy Lloyd was first hired and not just crushing on the recruiting trail, there was questions of, like, what type of players would he even be able to get? I imagine, like, obviously you need to start seeing Lance some of these guys. It'd be nice to get top five players, yes. But we're starting to see, again, that Tommy Lloyd, what he does. I've even seen some of the questions, like, well, we know he doesn't offer just everybody. That if you get a Tommy Lloyd offer, it's because he really wants you. And that... It's a different style than certain coaches have, but I think it's one that's going to work for Tommy Lloyd. Well, if you're a good enough destination and a good enough program, you can, you know, you can have players wanting to recruit themselves to you rather than the other way around with that approach, right? Yeah. Um, and it and it and 
it'll mean something more when Tommy Lloyd comes in with that offer that they know that he's just not blowing smoke, right? Yeah. So let's we'll see how it goes. I think the G League is maybe the biggest competition for him, but we'll see. That's going to be a thing. And, of course, Arizona Baseball getting ready for their Pac-12 tournament, which is a new thing this season up in Scottsdale. So that's kind of fun. We'll see what it takes. Some Arizona is going to be in the tournament, the postseason again for them. And Chip Hale's first season, where they're going to start off. I feel like I see them as like a, a higher seed. So there's a little bit more expectation of them than Sopple going into the postseason. But at the same time, you know, like we were saying, you just got to get there and anything can happen. I did see one mock that had Arizona playing LSU, which would just be – poetic i guess i don't even know how what it would be. It'd be interesting is 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 it alleged that the uh the, the selection committee for baseball doesn't look for storylines <laughs> like that like they claim to do for the ncaa men's tournament because we all know that's a lie they yeah. absolutely try to line up those storylines and that certainly seems ripe for that yeah why wouldn't you do that it'd be fun i mean you get there arizona's a good team they're not the best team, but they're a good team, and obviously their pitching has been solid. Their offense can be really good. Chase Davis is just unreal, you know, from the left side of the plate. So, you know what, we'll, we'll see what happens with them, and we'll see if we can get some guests to talk about Arizona baseball too as they get ready for their deep postseason, hopefully po- deep postseason run. But I think that's going to do it for our show this week. Of course, everyone, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. You can get us on podcasts on Spotify, on Apple, you know, iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to us. And if you're on iTunes, rate the show. Leave us a review. We will read that review on the air. Um, I don't think you guys have done that in a while. Brett's looking right now really quickly. We don't ever plan this ahead of time, even though we do it every show. No, I, and I did not have time this week, Adam, to write my anonymous Brett B. review. <laughs> Brett B. says Adam sucks. <laughs> he, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll maybe work something in there. Maybe it'll inspire some, some of our listeners to uh, write a review for us. Yeah, I can't wait. So <laughs> I appreciate you listening. Once again, thanks to Kim Doss from Izzy Desert Storm for giving us the insight into Arizona softball. We'll talk about what happens with softball. We'll talk about previewing baseball and everything else in Arizona athletics next week. And until then... Remember to bear down. Bear down.